Hello and welcome to Don't Even Ask. I'm so sorry for the delay in the podcast. I know earlier I said that I'd be more on top of it, but with work and grad school, I just got completely overwhelmed. And then the worst part is my computer crashed and I lost a bunch of my files and a bunch of episodes I already wrote. So honestly, I'm like really upset about it because I had some really good content and now knowing I have to do it all over again is not quite the move, but at least it's now summer and I have more time to dedicate to my hobbies. So I hope you enjoy this episode. It wasn't exactly what I was planning to talk about, but I feel like it's good enough. It was one that I actually did have saved on my Google Drive. So I guess here goes nothing. Imagine you're on an island with beautiful beaches. There are about 3,000 residents, so everyone knows everyone. Maybe you're relaxing or on a long walk or maybe just catching an afternoon nap. All of a sudden, a horrifying alarm goes off, but no one seems to be super panicked. They just pull out their gas mask and try to not die. Welcome to Miyakejima Island. Now, this is a Japanese island. It's about 180 kilometers south of Tokyo, and it's part of the Izu Island chain. Now, the whole island itself is only about 55 square kilometers, and for people that do not really understand the metric system very well, because we're Americans and they did a horrible job educating on this, it's about 34 square miles. So, pretty much what this place is, is an island that is essentially an active volcano, as, I mean... That's kind of what an island is. Though this one is active. So the last time it erupted was in 2000. um, But some of the notable eruptions were 1940. It killed 11 people. It also erupted in 1962 and 1983. The July 14th eruption in 2000 was a bit of an exception though. So something notable about this eruption is that it was a result of 17,500 earthquakes between a span of June 26th and July 21st. I did see some articles that said the eruption set off these earthquakes, but it seems like these earthquakes were starting before, so I'm not sure if it was vice versa and the earthquakes were kind of causing the eruption. But still after the eruption, a few earthquakes occurred. Although the eruption itself did not kill anyone, the island started leaking harmful poisonous gases, and because of this continuous activity, by September, Miyake was completely evacuated for five years. This was a smart decision, considering that the volcano emitted 10 to 20,000 tons of toxic gases every single day for two years. The fumes and gases were being discharged so thickly and it was so risky that for eight years, no flights were allowed to land at or take off from Miyake-jima. In 2005, the government started lifting the evacuation order and Miyake-jima citizens who had been relocated to Tokyo were finally allowed to come back home. Out of the 3,600 people that left, 2,800 actually preferred returning to their homeland, which in a way makes sense, but of course not everyone decided to return. Upon their return though, things were a bit different. Residents were required to have gas masks with them at 
all times in case the gas levels got to a dangerous level. Should the gas levels reach a particular threshold, warning alarms will sound, and this can happen at any time of the day or in the middle of the night. There are some tourists that are interested in visiting this island, and so if that is you, you are recommended to undertake a respiratory medical exam before and after making the trip. On top of the mask laws, the government performs regular health checks on the island's inhabitants. Even when they aren't wearing their gas masks, one-third of the island is still completely off-limits to humans. So in order to make lemonade from lemons, the islanders found an opportunity out of all of this. And they have turned living on a deadly gas-covered island into a big tourist attraction. Tourists come from all over Japan to experience Japan's deadliest island. They can enjoy things like hot springs, take tours of the area, and see parts of the island that were destroyed by the volcano. If you don't have your own gas mask, don't worry. You can pick one up when you arrive at any of the gift shops across the island. Really good to know. Visitors can actually reach this place by boat or helicopter flight from Tokyo. Now, for some of the more superstitious people, science and nature is not to blame for this. About 100 kilometers south of Tokyo, you'll find a spot in the Pacific Ocean known as the Devil's Sea. It's notorious as a hotbed of disappearing vessels, and it has the nickname the Pacific Bermuda Triangle. So at the time of this episode being released, we're a little bit less than a month out from the 22nd anniversary of the last eruption. Now, some data has been taken in May 2017, which doesn't seem like a long time ago to me, but that's five years. So hopefully you don't feel as old as I do. Anyways, at this time, the Journal of Occupational Health in Japan published a study of the effects of the sulfur dioxide on the respiratory systems of the adults that are residents there. And their conclusion was actually surprising. Adult residents of Miyakajima Island showed that there was no deterioration in pulmonary function at these levels, but they did complain of respiratory and irritative symptoms in a sulfur dioxide concentration-dependent matter. Basically, what this is saying is people had scratchy throats and irritated eyes, and that's basically it. Sounds like pretty much your average allergy season. So initially when I heard of a place that had gas mask tourism, I thought of Chernobyl. And actually, I wanted to do an episode on Chernobyl so badly. I watched the series on HBO and I fell in love with it. It's an amazing series if you haven't seen it. I'm like super delayed, but my brother bought HBO to watch Game of Thrones. So I kind of stole the opportunity and watched other things that are not Game of Thrones. Please don't hate me. It just doesn't sound interesting. Regardless, it's actually pretty different because that is a result of radiation and this is a result of sulfur dioxide. So they're actually pretty different and that's kind of why it seems that this has cleared up a lot quicker and people were able to return a lot faster. I also believe that the area is significantly less because, again, the island itself was only 55 kilometers uh, squared, of course. So That's actually not that big of an area. I forget the exact number of the Chernobyl exclusion zone, but it was definitely a lot more. And again, I'm like really upset. I had this whole episode written out. I did so much research on it and then my computer crashed and I've been looking everywhere for it. And I'm pretty sure I saved it on one of my drives, but I can't find it. Anyways, that's a personal problem. I did want to end the topics of this episode by saying that some people have noticed there's kind of a about 20 year cycle interval sort of thing with these big eruptions. So 
hopefully knock on wood nothing happens anytime soon but maybe if you're thinking about going you might want to wait a few years or a decade or just not go at all Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate it, and I love kind of seeing the little numbers go up just a little bit on the number of listeners I've been reaching. So hopefully we'll have another episode coming out pretty soon, and hopefully I'll be able to recover some of that lost data, and if not, I actually have time to just work on some new episodes. All right, see you guys later.